before we get started, I wanted to let you know that my friend, Laura Joyce Davis, will soon be releasing season two of her Shelter in Place podcast. Here's a little taste of what's to come. I miss real conversations. I miss connections that aren't on a screen. If you do too, I'm glad you're here. Welcome to Shelter in Place, a podcast about coming together in a world that pulls us apart. I'm Laura Joyce Davis. We're not supposed to do this life stuff alone. Shelter in Place is your coffee break with a friend who will laugh and cry with you, sometimes on the same day. Like a lot of really horrible things have happened in my life. I can't help it. I'm just bent towards hope. We'll talk about life's timely events and timeless questions, united by the belief that changing systems begins with changing ourselves. If we commune with others about our weaknesses, we're going to grow. When life feels impossible, let's reimagine it. Because shelter in place isn't just about where we find safety, but where we belong. Find us at shelterinplacepodcast.info and join us for season two beginning in September on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Now, on to the show. This is the Transmission Times. I was just thinking the other day that maybe we should go live off the grid or go to some island somewhere and go live in the wilderness. I just have so much doubt now about what my freedoms are. People say, oh, you know, free speech or, you know, it's a free country, you know, and you can do what you want. And that's true when it comes down to it. But I think that social freedom, the freedom of choice without judgment, I don't know if that exists in the way that I used to believe it existed, but I don't feel free to choose anymore. And not just because the people around me don't necessarily agree with my choices, but also because every choice comes with this cost or a variety of costs. And I don't necessarily always know what those costs are going to be. I think to defend your personal liberty and not be willing to sacrifice that for the sake of others, that doesn't jive well with me. I don't like that mentality. At the same time, (laughs) if the God of the universe can give us free will to make our own decisions, then why should the government feel like they can tell me what to do or what not to do? And honestly, just saying those words makes me mad because I've just never thought of myself as that kind of a person. You know, the government this or the government that. So these are just all new feelings. I'm trying not to judge myself for feeling them and rather just feeling them, saying them, and trying to process them. I measure time by the passing of the eras at work. First, the slow closing, 
the cessation of programming, and then that week where everything speeded up so fast that it was clear that we were not going to be open at the end of the week. And we had no idea at the beginning of the week that that would be so. One of the things that strikes me from the early days of the pandemic, when the news was coming in rapidly, my son had come home from college and my husband and son and I were sitting around the table after a meal and we were considering, is it worth it? risking all of our health to maybe go to the grocery store and stock up a little bit. Everybody was talking about coming home from the grocery store and being exhausted and not being able to figure out why. And it wasn't long after I'd made several trips and I realized why. One, I wasn't getting energy back from other people because people weren't even looking at you because it was hard to see you behind the mask. And the other was... I noticed for myself that my eyes were very wide open. I think with a couple other of my senses shut down with the mask over my mouth, I was using my eyes more to see and I realized I was quite exhausted when I left. My eyes had been wide open for the entire shopping trip. There was the shutdown where we all tried to work at home. There was the extension of the shutdown where we were asked to come into an empty building and work. There was the curbside era when we brought materials out to the front door and tried to serve people in a way that seemed very unusual and foreign. And then there was the reopening as we stressed and feared for our very lives and have now a month later begun to relax and understand that if we were careful we were safe and so was everyone around us. My son at dinner yesterday was saying can he give his friends high fives Or does he have to sanitize his hands afterwards? Then he was talking about putting something in a drawer. And he said, well, I guess if you close the drawer, then you can just hand sanitize afterwards. And it's like, is this what we're creating in these kids? That every single thing you touch, you then have to sanitize your hands? I don't want that for my children. I don't want that for my children. I feel so helpless. And as a parent, it's one of the worst feelings you can feel is helpless because your entire being is devoted to your children and to their safety and their health. So for the last two months, life has felt very heavy because I feel like we're all sitting on the doorsteps of communism and only George Orwell and I know it. And he's dead, so I'm pretty much all alone. (laughs) And I've been feeling very alone and it's scary and it's terrifying and this thought that like, people will so quickly turn over their freedoms and mine in exchange for what they think is security. I read an article that was like, most coronavirus cases come from small family gatherings. And, you know, the writer was saying, so please guys, let's just get through this and then you can see your family. Oh my goodness, like I've never heard something more awful. When is When are we gonna get over this? And what's the cost? If it is our families 
that's not okay. That's too expensive. There has to be a balance, you know? But it's very much stepping on the toes of my freedom. And I don't know, because I'm all about sacrificing too for the sake of others. But at what point is it just now you're not sacrificing for others, you're just conforming to this new normal? And I don't know the answer to that. All I can do is rebel in my small ways and continue to teach my kids in our house and and help them with their anxiety and say, it's okay, it's okay. You're not going to spread coronavirus because you touched the drawer at school. It's okay, even if you do. It's okay. I measure time by how many books I've read. I measure time by the growth of the grandbaby who before this pandemic is over will have his first birthday. I measure time by the things I haven't done that I meant to do. I measure time by the things that I'll never get to do that are gone forever. I measure time by the time I haven't been around my family. My mother lives 500 miles away in Maryland. And when there was question about doing interstate driving, I realized, my goodness, we're set up here, both with this pending election that we don't know how that will turn out and COVID and maybe heading back into a COVID winter. And I just called her and I was crying and I said, I think you're too far away now. And she said, I think so too. And we have since found her a condo up here and she's put her house on the market and we're in the process of moving her up here. She'll arrive in late October. It's all part of the mass migration. Our buyer's agent was explaining that something like 10% of Americans have moved during COVID, which is alarmingly high. So I don't think we're the only ones that have realized we need to get to where we need to be. We can't count on the fact that it's all going to work out okay at a distance anymore. You can't just hop on a flight and get down to Maryland. I applied to a university and I wanted to study psychology. Going to this university has been something that I thought about. This is the fourth time I seriously thought of applying and it's the second time I applied. The first one was when I finished high school and I didn't get in. And the thought of waiting another year for the pandemic to maybe be over. Yeah, it's it's a price I'm not willing to pay. So, yeah, I'm probably gonna become a student again at 34 in a pandemic. I have no idea how it will look like. We've been thinking about having a street party. And I thought, you know, maybe we could go ahead and do that. The weather is cooling off in Arizona. It's really like the perfect time to be outside. It's really nice. 
and we could just set up like a table out front and have a potluck and we'll just sit outside everybody could stay as distanced as they want to be and we'll just do a small one like maybe the four houses on our side of the street and the four houses across the street and so i was texting with my one neighbor that i do know and we started discussing the details I said potluck and he said, well, I guess that'd be okay if everybody brought their own utensils or, and I started thinking about having the serving spoon and people being paranoid about people breathing in the food and, oh, I just was so disappointed. I thought, I guess we can't, I guess we can't, you know, and what if somebody reports us? <laughs> you know, calls the police on us. I'm, I'm so sad. Like, our lives are just so wrecked. And it's funny because I never had a street party before, but now I'm all sad because I can't have a street party. You know? But it's because of being locked down that I realize how important it is to know what's going on with people. My grandchildren returned to school last Monday. They were so excited to be back. On Friday evening, my granddaughter developed a cold and a fever. So until they can get a test to make sure she doesn't have COVID, the whole family has to isolate for 14 days. I fear this is going to be a regular occurrence. On Tuesday morning, I painted six large drawings of Pepper as she laid on the floor sleeping. It felt like a ritual. We took a last walk in the woods and she swam for the first time in her life. The vet came over at four and I held Pepper close as he gave her the final shot. He helped me dig a grave in the yard and we buried her in her blanket with her last stuffed animal and scattered ashes of my late husband and our dog, Radar. It has been a rough week. My dog was almost 16 years old, so we'd been through a lot of life and death together. The house is so hollow and quiet, the sound of the washing machine gives me a weird solace. In a new way, I am more aware of the pandemic than ever, living alone in the upcoming winter when we will have to be isolated inside our houses again for long periods of time. Although I can't replace her, it would be a good idea to find a new dog soon. I've been looking at rescue dog profiles on the internet, but my heart isn't in it. With a constantly changing situation with COVID in the UK, from today, we can meet with a maximum of six people. My eldest has a significant birthday in October, and there is now no way that we can celebrate together. So it will be a split celebration with two groups of six on different days and outside. Let's hope the weather is kind. I have a five-year-old and a four-year-old, and they were kind of just joking about the coronavirus in a kind of a sing-song, childlike way. And I just felt a chill at first, but then I also thought back to... Ring Around the Rosie, which, you know, is another 
incidents where children made up a sing-song rhyme about a deadly disease. And it kind of just stopped me for a moment to think that there may be some child right now somewhere making up a sing-song rhyme about the coronavirus. And will children be singing that in 50 years? I'd like to say a huge thank you to Karen, Christina, Brianna, Kate, Amanda, Britta, Anna, Diane, and Sue, whose voices are coming to you from Maine, New Hampshire, Pennsylvania, Arizona, Romania, and the UK. Since the beginning of lockdown, the Transmission Times has been collecting audio diaries from people around the world. But there are many stories we haven't heard. If yours is one of them, we'd love to hear from you. Send us your stories of the most memorable moment from this pandemic. You can do that in one of two ways. You can record on a smartphone using an app like Voice Memos and email it to us at transmissiontimes at gmail.com. Or you can call our phone number 847-354-4163 and leave a voicemail. Thank you. The Transmission Times is created by me, Katie Semro. Where we've all been